Every career is a journey. Every leader has a story. Welcome to Journey to the Energy C-Suite, where we look at the strategies and techniques that turn solid leaders into top executives. This is your place to hear practical wisdom and guidance from real people who know what it takes. With your host, Ryan Sanford. To Journey to the Energy C-Suite, I am your host, Ryan Sanford. And I want to thank everybody who's listened to our first few shows and a huge shout out to everybody who has subscribed so far. You guys are incredible. I've really been blown away by your comments and your encouragement so far. So please keep it up. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that button wherever you access the show. And also don't be afraid to leave a review that really helps us market the show and also provides valuable feedback to us as we attempt to make the show better and better as we go forward. Let us know what topics you want to hear about in the future. And also, if you want to suggest any guests that would be a fit for the show, drop me a note on the show website, journeytotheenergycsuite.com. And of course, we wouldn't be able to bring this show to you without the support of our partners at the University of Oklahoma's Price College of Business, Executive MBA in Energy. They are educating and developing the energy leaders of tomorrow. If you are thinking about advancing your career in energy, Open the show notes, click on their link, and you can explore the programs at Price College. Now, to our guest today, he is a graduate of the Price College of Business EMBA program in energy. He served active duty in the U.S. Marine Corps, and he currently is the chief executive officer at BPS Technology. He is Bravis Brown. Bravis, thank you so much for joining us today. Brian, thank you for having me. I'm really grateful for, for the opportunity. I'd also like to say thank you to the Price College of Business, the Energy Executive MBA program. I had great initial contacts there, been able to maintain them throughout the journey in the oil and gas industry and continue to work with the University of Oklahoma on developing some of the technology we have today. Yeah, that's very cool. And I know Mary and the folks at Price College will appreciate the plug. (laughs) She's been very (laughs) helpful in connecting us with some of the folks who've who've graduated from that program and, and obviously very successful. So congratulations on that accomplishment. Hey, before we get into some of the business stuff, you know, I'm always fascinated to hear people's stories of how they grew up and how some of those early experiences kind of shape uh, some of the career choices that we make later in life. Now, you you had the opportunity to be a part of a family where your dad was an entrepreneur. He owned grocery stores and you had a chance to observe that firsthand and also work for him when you were younger. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how those experiences shaped some of your career journey later on. Sure, absolutely. There are many memorable moments. There's quite a few things I learned from. There's a few key things. One thing that I picked up early on was servant leadership. I watched him express his strong work ethics for a lot of reasons, but most of the time it was to you know make sure that he was demonstrating the type of work ethics that he wanted. And also during that process, I saw him always put others before himself. So I wanted to emulate those efforts. He was about creating accountability. He did the same thing for me. He expected me to be held accountable to the commitments that I made. Uh, He expected strong work ethics and expected me to lead from the front. So that obviously built my confidence. I had a tremendous amount of confidence associated to my ability to go somewhere, you know, get that initial job and get my foot in the door and provide. So I took many risks because of that confidence, you know, right out of high school going off to, to college and not a lot of it planned out. And that takes me to the next point. Always have a plan. (laughs) His point was have a plan, but be flexible with the plan. Have multiple plans. A single plan, in his opinion, was a failed plan. So he taught me a lot about creating plans, organization inside of the plans, and then being flexible and being able to 
move around inside of that plan. This is what gave me, you know, the penchant for process and operations and knowing things that have to occur and kind of the order in which they need to occur to keep things running smoothly. Yeah. I also grew up in a family where my father owned his own business. So I can, I can attest to some of the things that you talked about, just uh, making sure that accountability is always at the forefront. You also see how hard it is to run your own business, the, the amount of work that it takes. Uh, you're never really off when, when, when five o'clock hits when you're on your own business. So I think if you weren't scared away by that growing up, then it's, it's, it's not a surprise that, that you decided to, to go into business and and run businesses later on in life. I wanted to talk a little bit about your service in the U.S. Marines. First of all, thank you for your service. We really appreciate that. I know a lot of our listeners are really thankful for that. I mean, you could talk about your experiences as an active duty in the U.S. Marines and how that also shaped and, and informed your, your leadership point of view. Sure. You know, I wanted to go in, uh, not only because my father, but many members in my family had served. So, of course, that built a strong sense of honor, pride, appreciation to be an American citizen. And I just wanted to be able to, to give back. Now, I did choose to go into the Marine Corps primarily because my dad went in the Army. I needed to show him my work ethics, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there were many impactful experiences while I was in the Marine Corps. I mean, I mean several. So to kind of name a few, it is, I would I'd lie to you and say difficult. There's a few that really stand out and make it easy. Meeting presidents, vice presidents, members of the House and Senate, and then flying an F-18. As a passenger, more than anything, I don't want to start rumors. <laughs> but <laughs> the biggest impact takeaway really was the character and kind of the life philosophy. There was one that I'd heard early on and it kind of stuck with me. And it was improvise, adapt, and overcome. And improvise, you know, sometimes you don't have everything that you would like to have. For example, we talk about flexibility in a business plan, but you've got to make do with what you have. And sometimes you're not in the perfect position to utilize those resources that you have, but you have to adapt to the environment you're in. And then obviously the latter part of that is just pressing on and continuing to push forward and, and expect those results from yourself and the team that you put in place and trust in the plan. Yep. I want to talk about BPS, BPS Technology, the company that, that you are responsible for. You, know, you were a part of a group that created BPS as a startup years ago. And we're eventually named CEO of the company. Uh, I wonder during that initial phase of starting the company up, if you could talk a little bit about what that experience was like, what lessons did you learn during that phase? Yeah, uh, man, there were some definite challenges. I'd say, I'd say probably the biggest challenge was uh, finding the technology. We spent a couple of years looking for something that we felt was disruptive and, and could really be impactful in multiple industries. We started off in the oil and gas industry because that's where a lot of our background is. But the challenge with that was separating the passion and the emotion of the inventor and the co-founders, breaking down the tangible versus intangible values and understanding really how you're going to answer key questions like, is it viable? Can it scale? Is the market ready for it? Sometimes the value you create is indeed a value to you, but the market itself doesn't really see that value. And that, that's a challenge trying to get those things aligned. There's a tremendous amount of groundwork that has to be laid when working on an entirely new scientific breakthrough. So lessons, well, one, understand the amount of groundwork. <laughs> Two, communication is key. You've got to get the vision out and alignment and understanding of the direction and mission of the business. And if you can get that out, then that's going to give your team and your, your efforts direction. And that message is, you know, internal and external communication requirements. You know, it requires 
fine-tuned marketing efforts specifically for the external audience. And some things that I did, this was another, you know, I listened to your interview that you did with Mike Stice, and he was a professor of mine. And everything that he said pertaining to what he does with students and the passion he has is there. He made some comments in his interview with you that he also made to, to our class, and that was, you know, when the, the example of when he left an organization and it would, it would have some struggles, and mm-hmm. and then uh, he thought that was a good thing. When he said that, that was 2014 when I heard it the first time, and I reflected on, you know, kind of what had happened in some of my history in my previous company, and that really caused me to reflect. So I started looking personally at my communications and some of those things that I did at that point, like he talked about, was discovery. I did DISC, Briggs Myers, Berkman, Strength Finders, got a couple of executive coaches, and then really got focused on how I could use those tools to understand different audiences that I have. You know, right away, uh, when I got in, in the management side, specifically in the oil and gas, it was, you know, that D personality, get it done. Here's a plan. Let's go execute. But I understand that now that it takes several different approaches to how to communicate, you have a different audience and those audiences hear and, and perceive things differently. So I work on that quite a bit. And then that personally was important, but then I had to look from a company perspective. So again, you know, the first thing we had to do was what are we focused around? So develop the strategy and the business plans. And then how do you communicate that? So we have so many things that we do and they're all equally important. And there's one that's a daily. And everybody's like, oh, you have a meeting daily? It's 15 minutes. It's just a check-in. Any issues, any problems, any concerns, anything you need help with. You do that quickly just to make sure everybody's on path. You re- monthly, we do a review of our strategy meetings. We have a monthly Vistage Insider meeting that we do. I put out monthly memos for the different companies that we have. We do quarterly town halls and quarterly board meetings. And then lastly, we do employee surveys frequently so that we can get input back from them to make sure we're staying on path. And if we feel like something we're trying to do isn't being perceived the right way, then we modify that, adjust what we're doing, and, and then try to improve concerns that were found in the surveys. Yeah, talk a little bit about, uh, fast forward a few years, you were named CEO of uh, BPS Technologies, which again, started as a startup. And then by the time you were named CEO, it, it had developed into a holding company where you had multiple businesses under that umbrella. Did that cause you to maybe view yourself a little bit differently once you became CEO? What was that like? <laughs> well, I'll add a little humor here. You know, I, it was uneventful, really. <laughs> it was like, hey, here you go. You, you're officially the CEO. You know, I went home. Every closet that I checked, not one of them contained a Superman suit. <laughs> I didn't get any wiser overnight. And I certainly didn't have all the answers the next day I came to work. So I really had to button up how we get to those points in a collaborative way. So what we started out with was just creating the mission, vision, and values and started laying out the culture that we wanted to instill in the organization. As far as viewing myself differently, I had a strong sense of pride, kind of what Stice talked about again. Just I was able to always rely on myself, go in, get things done, execute. You know, I had, if I had a clear understanding from you or the leader providing me the, the direction, I felt like I could usually go execute that re- relatively successfully. Now I had to transition from that to kind of the creator of the infrastructure and the, the creator of the planning and development process. So I would, I would say that that was a, a timely transition. It didn't happen overnight. It was a little bit of both for a period of time. And, and now I've gotten really good at delegation. <laughs> you can just ask Don in preparation for this. She's been great. But the importance of talent in the organization to that point, you can't go it alone. 
one of the things I kind of pride myself on is jack of all trades. I certainly still have gaps, but it allows me to see the playing field large, you know, large enough scale that I can see where I have gaps and I can bring in talent, whether that's legal, whether that's marketing. There's many areas that I haven't had experience. But once I've filled those in, then I have an opportunity to, to really start to develop the full plan and have consideration for all parts of the business. You have a very strong background in process improvement and logistics. And I'm just wondering now as a CEO of a holding company, how do you balance that kind of innate talent that you have on those things with the broader view of the business that you must take as a CEO and being at, like you said, being able to delegate some of the things that maybe, you know, you're really good at yourself, but having to, having to delegate that to other folks and trust that they can get it done. Well, you know, I first feel like we have to answer the, what are we driving to and what's the desired outcome? So previously talking a little bit about mission, vision, values, creating that understanding that allows, you know, for the team to understand what they can focus on, and then they can, they can take care of the constant improvements and progression of the business. We use a tool, it's called CIP, chemical integration process. You know, what is it and why is it in place? Well, it's, it's a very detailed process of each step of what we do. And what that does is it gives enough direction and understanding of what we're expecting that we can back out and let the team you know, be empowered and have some autonomy and create from that platform. We do that as well on uh, business development processes and product development processes. And from a product development perspective, you know, we kind of got the, the, the mindset of, you know, minimal viable product and then failing fast while having to focus on sustainability and environmental impact. But having all that in place allows me to stay focused on the longer term vision. Like I said previously, if it's not in place, you're like, oh, no worries. I can do it. I'll take it. And But now you've got to transition and you've got to have others with that same sense of urgency and people that are they're self-motivated. And at that point, you, you do have a very busy job because now you've got plenty of people that run at a faster pace than you do that you've got to, to be able to stay up with. Yeah. Let's talk about innovation a little bit because a lot of companies... You know, they talk about innovation and a lot of them even have innovation as one of their you know, core values, but BPS technology really is an innovation company. I heard Don, let me know you guys reinvest 22% of your profits every year back into R&D. I think you've generated 13 patents over the last 12 months or so. That's an incredible pace of innovation. I want to ask you, how do you sustain that? Well, kind of like previously mentioned, we have to have processes in place. So we have the CIP, uh, the chemical integration process, and that's kind of the driver for new discoveries. So whatever is discovered, it'll either fit into an existing business, it'll become a future product development or licensing opportunity, or it will fall outside of our existing business. So for me, though, I guess the latter part of there is as a leader, I try to stay focused on diversification of industry, but also diversification of biz- business models. So we've got example in oil and gas, you've got direct product sales to the cure operator, you've got distribution channels, service companies, you've got licensing opportunities, so chemical manufacturers. And the opportunities are endless. Uh, so, you know, basically I try to make sure we don't end up running after squirrels because there's so many different opportunities with this technology. It feels like BPS technology runs at warp speed when it comes to developing these new products. And I wonder if you've thought about that. It seems like a lot of companies take a lot longer to develop things. Like, How have you as a leader been able to facilitate such a quick pace of, of innovation? Well, thank you for that compliment. We're, we're trying to go at warp speed. <laughs> it's a 
culmination of things. It's uh, the BPS recipe for accelerating innovation. You know, we got all these things that I talked about that we've created that kind of has really detailed requirements and then areas to work inside of. And, you know, you add a couple barrels of processes, but not too much. You sprinkle in the brine talent for product development, technical development, and uh, for driving the business units, stir in the, you know, stir in the ability or allowing uh, autonomy and supporting their development for their own processes. You know, it kills me when people hire talent that they bring into the organization that could give direction, know much more about the topic than they do. They're an expert and then they micromanage. Mm. So that's why the the stir in and allowing autonomy, you bring those people in, you bring them in for their, their skills and their ability, their expertise, you have to let them own that process. And then finally, you know, we want to let that bake in a world-class lab. So we're pretty proud of the facility we just built and moved into back in November of last year. Basically, we expanded the research and development group by tenfold. And we believe that facility, uh, along with this part, is kind of the key steps. And that is making sure everyone knows it's available at their local bakery, right? Marketing Mm -hmm. and successful launches. How do we get the word out there? What are we trying to tell them about? And, And how do we make sure that it's not just interesting and we've got to get it to a compelling story. So summary of that would be people will try to imitate nearly everything you do and imitation is flattery, but the importance is the uniqueness of the technology and the talent that your team brings. And you're the only one that has it. Yeah, you've talked about culture several times in, in the interview so far, and I want to spend a little bit more time going deeper on that because you have a very unique culture that you've developed at, at BPS technology it's inspired by Proverbs 21.3, which says to do what is right and just. And it's very clear that your values really reflect that. You see things like servant-mindedness, stewardship, uh, spirituality, and also strategic mindset and being steadfast. Tell us about the culture that you've built at BPS uh, Technology and how that enables the business success and the growth of the company that you've talked about so far. And what would you tell new or aspiring CEOs about developing culture? We use the term crew. It's intentional. I like to think of it as a, a crew rowing in the same direction as an or, organized and in, uh, in a very effective manner. You know, you're going to have to have individual contributors. Every team does, but we have to row in the same direction. You don't build the culture with a ping pong table. <laughs> you, you create culture that allows for quality time, you know, feedback, critical candor. We have a small conference room. It's a candor point is what we call it. <laughs> And it's, it's an opportunity to go in there and talk about, you know, kind of let your guard down. Here's, here's what I see. What are your thoughts? Can you also give me that same reflection? And that's what we encourage. And, you know, it creates opportunities to take ownership and create trust and unity. As far as developing culture, if I was telling some young CEO, the key thing in my mind is don't create a culture you aren't willing to live. Don't create a standard for someone else you're not willing or able to uphold. And I'll give you an example of that. You know, we talk about you know, servant leadership. If you're in a culture of servant leadership and your idea of servant leadership is pulling up on a location in a field, in a truck, keeping the AC on, watching what they're doing, taking notes and driving off, that's quite a bit different than the guy that pulls up on the location, jumps out, encourages the team to get in, cool off inside of the AC, have a drink of water, and then he looks at what he can do on your location to to make it more efficient, more effective, to help you get your work done and get, get on to the next opportunity. So you have to put something in place that you believe in and that you're willing to drive. 
I was I was talking to, with Don uh, before the the interview, and and I don't want to embarrass you, but a good example of that I think is I believe one of your employees was homebound because of COVID last year and couldn't get out and, and get groceries, and they and they they woke up and found a, a bunch of groceries on their doorstep. And then they looked on their ring doorbell video later on and realized that, hey, that was the boss at five o'clock in the morning. That was Bravis Brown delivering groceries anonymously on, on my doorstep. I thought that was a really cool example, really in action of what you're talking about. Well, it was a very embarrassing moment. Didn't think about the, the ring doorbell that probably catch me, but uh, it popped in on LinkedIn. It was kind of one of those things where you're embarrassed and proud at the same time. And you know, it's a blessing to have people that, that, that also care about me in the same way. And I, I know that you spend a lot of personal time giving back to, to other causes. You're, you're very involved in your church and other, other organizations. And you've also kind of put your money where your mouth is inside the company with allocating a certain number of hours for each employee every month where they can go and serve some other organization uh, outside the company. Talk about that, how that uh, program developed and, and what's the impact been on your employee base? Certainly. So everybody's familiar with PTO, paid time off. So we have VTO, volunteer time off, and that's uh, four hours that are allocated on a monthly basis for you to go and engage with, you know, the 501c3 of your choice or other needs inside of the community. But seeing their involvement, the ways that they come up with to integrate that into our business and then into the community, it's really inspiring. And it's, it's really grown a lot. You know, the initial idea has developed quite a bit more because of the number of players on the team that have helped come in with different ideas and inspired it further. So it's really been wonderful. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a big part of what's driving the culture. You have discussions in the break room, common passion, similar activities, and it creates relatability. So it's another connection for this group outside of, hey, where are you at on Project XYZ? Why aren't your resources, you know, on schedule, et cetera, et cetera. It's more of a passionate interaction at that point because of the, the relationships that they. One of your, your key responsibilities as a CEO of a holding company, especially is putting together leadership teams and building strong leadership teams. And that's not just identifying and being able to hire individually talented leaders, but being able to put those leaders together on the right teams. Talk about that. What is your approach to, to building and developing leadership teams? Well, you know, to be able to build accurately, you have to have clarity. I don't know any architecture that, you know, or someone in construction that goes out and builds a foundation and, and doesn't have a clear blueprint of what they're going to develop. It's the same thing in a business. If you know what you're trying to accomplish, you understand what it's going to take to get there, then you can make sure that you're picking up the key employees that are aligned with not only where you're trying to go, but the values of your organization. So building is, is strong, but it's only as strong as your clarity. So again, it, to me, it's that foundation where you want to be, who you want to be, what you're trying to accomplish, and then making sure that you're bringing in expertise that can help you get there and it's aligned with those. Development, I sit down with my leadership in a one-on-one setting every single month. There's typically, there's several questions, but there are two questions that we address both that are short-term and long-term development goals. Examples, you know, those would be anything from what conferences do you need to go to, potential higher education, certifications that you or members of your team need. Another example, MBA programs like OU's executive MBA program, right? There's so many different things out there that can can help lift your team up as far as their ability. And I heard something before and it stuck with me, and it was a conversation between a CEO and a CFO 
And it was, it's not something like in person. I, I believe actually I listened to it from something I found online, but it said in this conversation, the CFO says to the CEO, what if we invest in them and they leave? And the CEO says, what if we don't invest in them and they stay? <laughs> and, the, and that's the yeah. risk. You are going to develop people. You're going to give them an opportunity to go somewhere. And, you know, hopefully they stay and they continue to, to drive your organization. But it's okay if they leave. And that creates opportunity for new ideas and, and other individuals with different approaches that potentially could be impactful and take your business down another path. And you've been very successful in, in building leadership teams at, at BPS Technology. I, I think you had some recent hires as well and in, in promotions into key leadership roles. When you're assessing people, maybe from outside the company to come on board with BPS Technology, tell, tell us about that process. Who are you looking for? Obviously, they, there needs to be the technical expertise in, in their area and the experience that you need to run a company. But outside of that, what are you looking for whenever you're, you're, you're trying to find leaders for your company? So... The values and the alignment of the values is extremely important. I'd really look for somebody that's been able to show, especially in a senior leadership role, and point at things where they've developed others. Because getting into a senior level role really isn't about doing it anymore. If you look at those resumes and you see, I did this, 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 great, they did all those things. Now show me where they moved into an area of management, senior management likely, and they developed others. So I'm looking for somebody that can come in and deflect a lot of the credit and get comfortable with pushing that to the rest of the organization. And as a holding company, our job primarily outside of creating the visions and all those things is reaching out, supporting and creating opportunities for success for these other players. And if we have somebody come up here that's not willing to put the light on someone else, it's not going to be a good fit, no matter how good they are at what they do. And I've got several examples of individuals that have joined the team that have been able to do just that come in, shine the light on others and impact, you know, a broader range of folks other than just themselves and get performance on themselves. So I typically look for somebody that can, at that level, come in, educate on what they know, mentor others and help spread that knowledge throughout the organization. So a lot of exciting things going on at BPS Technology this year. I wonder, uh, before we wrap up, what are you most excited about with BPS Technology for the remainder of this year and then going into 2022? There are a lot of things to be excited about. I'll explain a particular thing right now. The NBA Trizine, we just recently rolled out a product. We did a launch in April. We had it around uh, a little bit before that, trying to understand some of the value it creates. And like I said earlier, finding ways that that value was you know, understood and received by, by the end user. And so then and only then you have your real value. So we identified that. Then we did a launch in April. And that's an NBA Trizine product, issue of Scavenger. It's gone through the entire product development process, so I really like to be able to look back at our processes and see what it developed and then see how it performs. It's got better performance. It's, it's blowing out the existing performance of MEA Trizine in the market. It's able to mitigate solids, and we're able to, to uh, stabilize MEA Trizine. That's, that's very exciting, but I'm always going to be excited about new licensing opportunities and applications with our technology, the development of new products, but watching something come together like that MEA Trizine from start to finish is extremely exciting. Right now, we're having a significant increase in the overall use of capacity of the, the facility there in Midland, Texas for chemical manufacturing. We've got diversity of products. We're having uh, diversity of industries and diversity in customers. And that's true for all of those more so today than we've ever had. So it's really exciting to see that whole thing come together and watch that company grow. 
Very exciting stuff. Bravis, it has been a pleasure to have you on today. I, I really appreciate your time and look forward to, to following BPS technology and seeing all the new developments. You got it. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Well, that'll do it for our show today. Thank you again for listening. Remember, please hit the subscribe button. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you access the show. Again, thank you to our sponsors at the Price College of Business at the University of Oklahoma, their executive MBA program in energy. Click the show notes if you want to learn more about their programs. I'll also have a link to BPS Technology and to to Bravis if you want to reach out to him as well. Thanks again for listening, everybody. See you soon. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month, we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is 20 YPO's Networking Mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. Other than these events, OGGN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantage Oil Projects on May 5th. So make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another enlightening episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.